Hello and welcome to the Court of Valets podcast. I'm Joe and my hair has finally gotten to that length where it's not quite Superman mullet from the death of Superman, but it is from that episode of Justice League where he got sent to the future with Vandal Savage. Either way, I'm not getting haircut. <laughs> oh my gosh. I am joined by V. Hi. And Muse. Hello. In this episode, we are going to be going over the comics that we read this past summer, so from the first week of June to the last week of July, and what our top three issues and or titles are. V actually came up with the idea a few weeks back, and because I love organizing so, so much, (laughs) I immediately jumped at the idea, and I spent the next hour going through the entire summer of comics including all the indies or number ones that i read and just didn't continue the series of and i made a nice seven page document you did that in an hour yeah it was about an hour for seven pages of holy cow about like an hour hour and a half a couple of things on my list we actually spoke about on the podcast so you may have heard the reviews, or if you follow us on Twitter and Instagram, you may saw like a couple of my reviews, especially now that I've been updating a Goodreads account more and posting some like quick reviews on Instagram. So how this is going to work is I am going to bring us around the table. We are going to say the total amount of comics that we read this summer. We are going to list our top three issues and or runs and explain why. And the person with the most comics read this summer, which I feel like is going to be me, <laughs> is going to be crowned Nerd of the Summer. So You rigged this. <laughs> he did. He really did. You can wear the crown with pride, or you can wear it with shame. Heavy is the head. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you get so. to be a nerd just for that reference. Where's your locker? Just curious. Why? Do you need something? I need to peruse it with you. Okay. If you could step inside and, and show me <laughs> the furthest steps of it, I, I appreciate I it. I actually can't get there right now, but if you want my locker combination, it's just one, two, three, four. Thank you. You're welcome. Also, Fee, while you're at my locker, could you also tell us about your comics this summer? That was a terrible segue. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to be dunking on you all episode. You probably are. this is so... <laughs> I think we'll both be dunking on him this entire episode. That is yes. perfectly okay. Whatever gets you guys to laugh, that is my goal. Shut up! <laughs> You're so annoying. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay, yeah. Let's see. So I <laughs> I read 69 books. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't lose! <laughs> Well, you both are terrible, and uh, I would have smoked you on a normal summer, but this summer was different. V, I beat you by like 10 issues and a graphic novel that I couldn't oh count. Oh my gosh. So, like, we're really close. Well, I've been lazy. I'm sorry, but I have read a lot of indies. So, as you and anyone who listens knows, anytime anyone brings up Black Cat, I just go to pieces because. <laughs> That is my number one pick for this year. Black Cat by Jed McKay. And I want to give a shout out to Carlos F. Villa in issue 11, and I believe 12. So I had to cite that. However, uh, I didn't want to because I didn't want to go over old territory. And I wanted to kind of talk about the, um, the indies that I read because they never get enough love and they really should. But... Um, there weren't a lot of good indies this summer. <laughs> there were a lot of duds. Uh, there are a lot of stories about fantasy worlds that run on drugs. There are mm-hmm. a bunch of stories about serial killers. Plenty of stories where there are prostitutes being ripped from stem to stern. Uh, you gotta see those. They're titillating. I don't know if I want to. Um... <laughs> <laughs> there's there's some childhood fantasy stories that are running along. I did read uh, Nancy Drew. And, well, sorry. I read Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys, colon, The Death of Nancy Drew. That's right. I forgot about that crossover I thing. I did not like it. Oh, The art sorry. was really... I don't want to dunk on it because it's like it's what my art looked like before I went to college. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's definitely young art. Mm-hmm. 
it's got potential. It's just I can't look at it. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> I read uh, a Wally-esque one called No One's Rose. It kind of reminded me of Wind. Okay. Devil's Highway, a serial killer who's a trucker, so it's really hard mm. to track down. The Reaver, what was that one about? I don't know. People who fight other people. Anyways, <laughs> so my top picks. Um, I gotta say Ginseng Roots by Craig Thompson. He lives in Portland. He's kind of an indie-esque comic artist. He's, like, really good. So he's doing this sort of... It's kind of like a travelogue, diary, journal sort of thing. But it's like a memoir of his growing up on a ginseng farm in, I think, Wisconsin. Huh. And it kind of talks about the history of ginseng and just memories that are really sweet and beautifully drawn. And he's just awesome. So for $6 for these nice little thick... Uh, comics that are very unconventional in their size. Definitely mm. recommend you pick them up. Super awesome summer read. Okay. Uh, my third choice was Bliss. Uh, <laughs> this one is about a drug called Bliss. Uh, you take it, and then all your worst memories drip out of your eyes like ink. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. It's this fantasy world, and it starts off with a man who is being interrogated about his father's crimes and he tells this story about his father fell into this world of crime in a very Blade Runner-esque society Okay, it's definitely fantasy dark fantasy, there's an underworld, his father I think becomes an assassin I've only read the first issue I haven't gotten to the others (laughs) but I think there's only like three at this point so Oh, so that's not that bad. That's pretty easy to catch up on. Right. And it's the reason I chose it isn't necessarily because the storytelling is amazing. Um, it's written by Sean Lewis, but the art, <laughs> it's done by Caitlin Yarsky and holy cow, this is above and beyond. You know, it's just gorgeous. Everything feels mm. massive and beautiful and you just want to sink your teeth into it. It's really good art. <laughs> um, and it's put out by Image. So it's kind of that creator-owned sort of situation. Mm -hmm. So you've got this artist-writer team I don't think I've ever heard of before. It definitely has an indie feel. It's creative. It's interesting. I definitely want to keep going with that one. Hmm. Oh, and I forgot to mention that Ginseng Roots is put out by Uncivilized Books. That's a publisher I've never heard of before, honestly. (laughs) Me neither. Um, I'm going to look into them, though, because I went to their website to look at their stuff. And it looks really nice. Like, very professional. And how'd you find that one, anyway? Like, it was literally just in your comic book shop? You're like, oh, okay. I saw it on the shelf, and I was like, Mm. wow, Craig. (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) Listen, (laughs) I saw one of his other books, and I cannot remember what it was, but he was at a signing, and I wanted to get one. And I just remember at that point in time in my life, I didn't have the money. So I was just looking at it, like, all sadly. And so today I saw it, and I was like, ah, and I, like, had to stop myself from reaching up and grabbing it. It's worth it. So I had to run back and find the first one and read it, and I was like, yes, this is 100% worth it. I'm going to go through the whole thing now, and I don't think you need to read it chronologically, honestly. Okay. Well, you did say, too, like, it's basically, like, his childhood memories and stuff. Yeah. It's very personal. It's very sweet. This isn't like a narrative story, it's just one of those memoirs. And the weird thing is, when I'm telling you about Uncivilized, because I was like, what stood out to me about that publisher? I went back to look at it, mm-hmm. and like, I don't really understand what it is. It's like an artist collective. They have mini comics, they have comic books distributed by Diamond, but like, there's no real explanation of what this group is. Okay. There's not even any focus on writers. There's just a collective of artists. So I'm assuming that it's all artist writers. Yeah. It's just very weird. But definitely (laughs) get this book is all I'm saying. Okay. Okay. Try to find it in a local comic book shop. (laughs) Huh. Okay, so then the Bliss one, that's the one that's like the dark like fantasy one. Yes. So it's a drug that has your worst fears come out of your eyes no your worst memories so basically all the evil done in the city people can forget the worst things they've ever done and just be happy 
it's kind of so. like a brave new world kind of thing where they're like hey here's drugs that make you happy and completely forget and ignore everything that is wrong with this society a little bit but also it allows for criminals to basically they can kidnap witnesses and drug them oh so that they can't i was just gonna say like can't everybody just like get off scot-free with crimes then if they like Mm -hmm. take the drug immediately afterwards well the people who who control bliss are like these three creatures non-human creatures that run Mm -hmm. the world and there are non-human creatures that pop up throughout this they're not like the most common but they're definitely in there so is it like a fantasy world setting where somebody sees an elf and doesn't like blink an eye or is it more of like you're seeing a jinn in the alley and you're freaking out because you've never no, seen no, one no. people totally they're it. like oh a giant turtle mm-hmm. yes okay so like these creatures they're very not very like like they're very creative and mm-hmm. bizarre and they just show up occasionally and they're usually like the kind that stay out of sight so mm. i don't really get it um i'm getting doom vibes from it for some reason <laughs> like it just reminds me of dune i don't know why well that's a pretty good analogy to compare it to if you're comparing it to dune like it sounds interesting enough that like okay like i'm tempted to read it just to see like how this gets along yeah. and i'm like okay here comes the eye part i technically oh, cannot look away from it because i'm not watching it on a tv <laughs> it's really not gross <laughs> it just looks like they're crying okay and it's just really brief but like the layouts amazing the colors the drawings i mean like it it comes and goes like you can tell when this person started to run out of time certain panels but then they'll like they'll have they'll just cut to like this massive crowd scene with like beautiful detail and it's all very interesting so i was into it i'm definitely interested to pick that one up and (laughs) ginseng roots one if i find it I will read it. Mm-hmm. And the Black Hat one, yeah, I definitely agree. You got me onto the Black Hat run. You also got me onto the Catwoman run. I'm sorry. Because I... don't don't be. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was in a better direction when you got me onto the run, and then it just stayed in Villa Hermosa. Got my hopes up so high, and then it mugged and shot them in an alley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the the Black Hat one, like. That was a wild ride from start to finish, every <laughs> single issue, and I love that so much. I think the only one that we were kind of like, eh, about was that um, story arc with Wolverine. I think it was mostly because of the art. I think that was your biggest issue. It was the art for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the art was really touch and go, especially at the beginning. It, it definitely upset me. Not the first one, I think, but like somewhere in the early part of the series. Right, because I remember you were pointing out like the unfinished lines oh. or like the overshadowing. Or... They didn't do this, the writer, any service. Like, Jed McKay mm-hmm. gives this superior story and this perfect characterization of Felicia, and they're just like, eh, here, have this. And it's like, no, there are a lot of good artists. Give them one of those. This is a fantastic <laughs> story, and people aren't going to open it because they have to see the art. Mm. it's so good though so it really is and like for me i never read anything of felicia hardy or black cat i never really read a lot of marvel stuff growing up i did have like a couple spider-man comics i read some spider-man like fantastic four crossovers growing up but i never really read a whole bunch of them i saw her in the video game i saw her in the tv i saw her in the movies and stuff so like getting to actually like sit down and read this like it was so much fun it reminded me vaguely of the chuck dixon like 90s catwoman mm-hmm. run uh-huh. in just terms of like that type of like atmosphere of like you can see that she's having fun in what she's doing exactly like that time when catwoman hijacked a bus and she said what would sandra bullock do <laughs> something crazy and oh she'd look good God. doing it <laughs> she just crashes the bus <laughs> I really need to pick this series up because I liked Black Cat in one of the Spider-Man cartoons that was out. Mm. I think it was the 90s one. Yes, she was great in she that. She was so good. And I was like, she's like Catwoman. 
they fit in that same trope of female cat burglar right. who uses their sex appeal, but then they're so very different in other regards. But yes. that, that's what I like, uh, even though they're mirrors of each other, they're so totally different. And I wanted mm-hmm. more of her. And I didn't really get much afterwards because she's just kind of... She fell in love with a vampire and then had a tragic end. Uh, but like... Morbius? The Felicia of the cartoons was always my favorite like with the Captain America serum Felicia yep who is like yep she's just freer she was more chaotic than Catwoman by far Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. she's not out there to save cats she doesn't have a moral compass the same way Catwoman does she doesn't have a crusade she's chaotic because she's rich and she's a trust fund baby and she doesn't understand (laughs) reality the way the poors do and she's just doing this for fun. And so, like, part of me is like, well, you're kind of terrible for that. But most of me is like, you know, <laughs> she's not really hurting anyone. No. The people she steals no. from usually don't need it. Mm-hmm. And she usually doesn't keep the stuff unless it's very important because she doesn't need it either. No. She's just doing it for fun. Yep. And the way she she helps people and the way she involves herself with individuals that she doesn't have to. It usually shows that she has a big heart, but she is ultimately way more chaotic than Catwoman, and it lends itself to some more lighthearted stories. Definitely. I've seen, like, certain panels, whether that V you showed me or I've just seen online, and, like, two of the few comic things I've seen are, like, when she found out Spider-Man was a teenager, and she literally vomits on him i hated that series uh. though. <laughs> wasn't that ultimate yeah ultimate is canceled we we don't talk about ultimate in this house the other one that i i really know of her is she pretended to propose to peter mm. as a diversion to get away from him that was the new whatever the current run is Oh, really? That was that one? That was... Remember, they they released that, like, right after the failed wedding of Selena and... I was not reading comics at the time, so I could not tell you. It was making fun of DC. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. It was no, kind did, of did a little rude moment that. of them. And uh, that salt in my wound. You picked two. <laughs> I'm so set. sorry. <laughs> wow, I'm just batting a thousand brought all my today. salt to the top <laughs> holy cow so my you want to talk about <laughs> carrie dodson's black cat where she talks about her origin as like a rape victim uh, <laughs> i mean no <laughs> there are a lot of people who did her wrong okay listen the most recent one that doesn't matter it's it was kind of cute in its own way I am so sorry. I'm just not on the same wavelength with you today. <laughs> it's fine. Joe just dug himself into an even bigger hole. You know I get stronger when I'm saltier. It's true. And then I deal with it throughout the rest of the week. But that's fine. Thank you for sharing I'm sorry. Your top three. <laughs> I'm sorry. You can't just say something like that. I can and I will. <laughs> That makes it me sound vindictive and cruel and like You can cut this out. You Joe can cut his No, it'll stay in. It'll pretty much <laughs> is a very nice lady. <laughs> he pretty much just called me his ball and chain on the air. <laughs> and I have to pay for it the rest of the week. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Horrible. Listen, listen, they're nice ankle weights. They make your legs stronger. All right, Steven Stepchick, shut up. <laughs> wow. Some muse. All right, that's a hell of a thing. You want to hear your kinks, Joe? Put that away. <laughs> For my very abrupt segue. God, that was a very abrupt segue. I don't know how the hell I'm going to follow that. Uh, how about with your top three summer reading choices? <laughs> You should probably ask her without laughing. Okay. So, Muse, now that we have heard these lovely choices, which honestly will, I will definitely check out those two indie titles. And I am very curious about that uncivilized publishing. So, my comic number was, uh, I read 78 comics, so only about 10 more than V. 
And then I had one graphic novel that I slapped wow. on there because the Aqualad one. So I was like, I don't know how to count this in issue numbers, but it's kind of in the same yeah. realm. So I threw it as an addition. So my top three, no surprise to anyone. One of them was the <laughs> Lords of Empire Emperor Hulkling one shot mm-hmm. issue that was written by Chip Zdarsky and Anthony uh, Oliveria. And the artist was Manuel Garcia. I did talk about this one. I got on a little pedestal for about 10 minutes or so. <laughs> v and Joe looked at me confused and said, Okay, didn't read it. <laughs> Don't understand who Hulkling is. But for those who are huge Hulkling or Wiccan fans or Hulkling Wiccan fans, it was just a really sweet one shot. And you got to see into the mind of Teddy Altman. You got to see his relationship with Billy outside of fighting and normal comic runs. You got to see him hanging out with his friends at a gay bar. And then the weight of like the whole universe being on him and him finally coming to terms with the fact that I can't keep running away from this. I've been the reluctant hero for far too long. You see him contemplating it with flashbacks of his mom. It's a really, really sweet story. Not much fighting or anything. It was just a really good character development issue and i really appreciate that i do remember that one (laughs) like it's good to have issues like that from time to time and not every comic does need to be about the fighting like i know like for me like one of my favorite like similar type of comic for that is this adventure comics issue with superboy and wonder girl where cassie is visiting connor on the farm when he came back from the dead these heroes are just being people they're just being Mm -hmm. themselves and dealing with real-world problems and dealing with relationship problems in not an overly dramatic fashion. The will-they-won't-they, they, let's break up again, get married, break up again. And you're just like, gosh, can we can we stop with the unnecessary drama with comic book characters? And I am a huge sucker for like that domesticity. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite runs is the Tomasi Superhuman run, which apparently has some flack on it. Screw the haters. It's fluffy and sweet, and I love it. <laughs> it is so good and perfect that I want Tomasi on a permanent resident status of Metropolis. Yep. <laughs> and V wants him out of Gotham. <laughs> yes. yes. Take him, Metropolis. He's yours. <laughs> a permanent residence, also because he has a permanent restraining order from <laughs> Gotham City. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just love that balance between heroes having adventures and saving the world mm-hmm. or maybe just saving the small town and yeah that um dealing with family life dealing with their son dealing with their significant other just i'm a sucker for fluff um uh the other one is an indie comic and it is of course wind which is written by james tinian and the artist is michael dillinus dillinus that's either an O or an A. I don't know. I wrote it down. Uh, it blended <laughs> into the S. Um, so this comic is so good. Mm-hmm. It fits within what Tinian writes. He loves that fantasy style of writing. It's about this young boy who is um, kind of magical in his own right. And the humans are trying to get rid of them. They're like kind of, they're called like the weird And it's him trying to deal with that. And now the man that was hunting all of these humans that have been blessed or cursed in the regard by the weird has returned back to the capital. And now Wind is kind of in danger because of his heritage. And so now he is having to leave this town. But the characters are just so endearing. The art is beautiful. It's got like this really soft colorization and kind of reminds me of it's like digital colored pencils with how like the shading and the coloring yeah. is. So it is bright and vibrant, but it's something that could easily translate into a animated cartoon show. Truly. That's actually a really good yeah, description. Yeah, that, that's it. probably my best description of kind of where mm-hmm. that uh, art style is. I love the world as well. Um, just the little yeah. bit that we got. One of the first pages, it's like a two-page spread, and it's wind. Like, he climbs up, and you just see the town. And it uses its, like, plumbing system very interestingly. So there's a really cool mechanic with how this, this magic system is going to get brought up, 
how the humans are using nature with like the water to bring up the food to each other mm. and it's just really interesting so it's got a bit of a it's not really steampunk but it's got a bit of that um kind of makes me think solar punk yeah it'd be closer to that than actual steampunk but it's it's got some of the modern things with steam and water but that's about as far as it gets they don't have like high advanced technology or taking the victorian out of the steampunk and sticking in high fantasy gosh the story is so good and it's weird because there are no tenian rants like you see in batman or just League <laughs> dark where it's just his characters talking for a really really long time or having inner monologue none of that it's just characters do what characters do they jump from one thing to the other and the pacing just moves so well working in tandem with uh the artist blows you away because Tinian starts to do more of the let the artist show and not tell with a lot right. of it too and you're like this is great it is really good i picked up the first issue not when it came out maybe a couple mm-hmm. like a week or two afterwards and i really loved it i picked up the second issue right away as soon as i finished mm-hmm. that first issue and Tinian's like most recent stories that I've been reading with his, um, like the intro to Joker War, when it really does immerse you into that world in like the first couple of pages. Like, I feel like I'm watching something as I'm reading. Oh, yeah. Like you said, with that double spread of like you getting to see the world and you see all the pipes coming out of the buildings and you see how they're using the water system for their everyday living like you i feel like i'm watching this and i'm hearing like things in the background of like what this world can sound Mm -hmm. like and it's all done so beautifully and the art really does fit the story Mm -hmm. i feel i agree it's not too childish it's not too adult it's not too vibrant it is just that like nice soft type of fantasy world color and it's really interesting to see how these people that look a little more on the cartoonish side, like you have a very burly man with yeah. kitchen-related tattoos on his arms, and I want to say his wife that literally has a cinnamon roll yeah. for a so hair. That's, the, that's the, <laughs> la- the lady who owns the restaurant kind of adopted mm-hmm. Wind, and that's her daughter. But that, he's a worker. He's just like a worker guy, so he's yes. just a friend. But no, okay. I'm not the only one who thought her hair looked like a cinnamon bun. Which, it's a literal cinnamon roll. Come on. It, <laughs> it shows that little cinnamon roll in her head, and like her hair being like really curvy and cinnamon roll, and mm. her body being like really, she's very short and she's very curvy. The way her character also acts, you can feel like she's one of those characters that would like bounce when she walks. Because she's so bubbly and happy. And you get that from the artist immediately through how he draws her and through how Tinian writes. And it's just like, this character just jumps off the page. I'm like, can we please get an animated series of this because it would translate (laughs) so well. I've always felt that about his style, though, like of writing. He he writes like he would do well in cartoons. Mm -hmm. Like he understands almost this this way of writing that like lets a story develop. well, visually, <laughs> a lot of writers for comics, surprisingly, it's like they really don't trust the visuals to convey what they're saying. Mm-hmm. So you get this over-explanation, you get very different style, and sometimes, yeah, Tinian does go into those rants, but I feel like a lot of the way the stories develop, even with Batman, we've commented on that before, like how it felt very cinematic. Oh, yeah. A lot of times oh, yeah. he will jump right in and let things develop in that natural way that it's really appealing. I don't know why people don't do that more in comics. Mm-hmm. I know. And like you're just saying, V, like I can definitely see this as an animation. Like For some reason, like I've read that and I feel like it would be a better comparing it to like the Dragon Prince, that Netflix yeah. series that came out. Like it kind of has like a vaguely mm-hmm. familiar vibe to it. But I feel like this Yeah, would it would definitely fit in those cartoons like Dragon Prince, uh, Adventure Time even, Owl House, Steven Universe as well. That It would fit in that genre of just like People who like these shows would love this comic. Mm-hmm. And I do know that like he was really passionate about writing this because I know like I was reading his newsletters and he was saying how he really modeled this boy on himself. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of this like he's taking from like this is a world I've kind of been building for a really long time and I'm finally in like a point in my life where I can make it come to life. I modeled this a lot after myself and things that I went through internally like mm-hmm. growing up. So I know, like, this is a really, like, big, passionate project for him, and I'm I'm happy that he gets to finally get yep. this out to the world. No, I'm pretty certain he's definitely going to get, uh, from Boom, being like, yes, 
continue writing this because um, we're already on a third printing of issue one. Really? Yep. Wow. They're going to go to a third printing of issue one soon. So yeah, it was super popular. A, I think because it has Tinian's name. B, because it's just mm-hmm. the art is beautiful. And also it has LGBTQ plus representation in it with wind. Right. And potentially the gardener. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> the gardener. God. He is himbo supreme. Like, let's get that man. God. But, 100%. But with that as well. And it's just, they marketed it beautifully. And I'm want more Tinian definitely has a lot more to give to us than just seven issues because we've only gotten to issue three and he's just leaving the town but yeah that's yeah. wind please go pick it up it's great so how about for your third uh so my third choice reading choice god summer. it was it was such a huge toss-up i was like do i want to do another Tinian title and say batman but then i was like it was good <laughs> but there was some issues because i can't just be like to joker war stuff and then it was also like right. Green Lantern 80th was also great, but wasn't my thing. And so I was like, you know what? I recently read this one series and it is the Vox Machina Origins Volume 1. So okay. I decided to go along with that. So another kind of indie title. <laughs> Can we? <laughs> it's very popular and it's done by Dark Horse, which is still technically an indie. So yeah, I mean, like. If I had to pick an indie for me, it would be, like, a very popularized title, like, Transformers versus Terminator. (laughs) Like, I wouldn't really call it an indie because it's so well It's like that in, like, Ninja Turtles. You're like, do I call it an indie? Yes. Power Rangers? Mm -hmm. Eh? But it it falls in that weird category of it's it's not Marvel DC and it's not, like, super indie, but it's that weird in the middle. So, of course, the writer was um, Matthew Colville and, of course, Matthew Mercer helped out along with the writing and the artist is Olivia Sampson. Um, this tells the origin stories of the Vox Machina group starting from pretty much their first session that no one got because it was done all privately. Like they first started doing all of this at their house, just nerdy ass voice actors as they say, doing D&D and a friend of them pitched, hey, start a podcast and stream it. and that point they'd already been doing it for a year or two at that point so this is them filling in the gaps of what happened before the fans were able to enter the world so to clarify this is critical role is what they're yeah called? critical role is the the group that streams D and this is their first campaign that they did um this one is finished but i really enjoyed this a lot just the full volume of one to six issues or so. They're on volume two right now, and I haven't started it yet, but those are only in single issues. Uh, they're not in mm. a nice trade. And it kind of covers each of the characters' stories as they start to intermingle with each other, how they start to meet in this one swampy town. And the art's solid. Like, it's not, like, outstanding, mm. but it's pretty It's pretty good. Uh, they get across uh, some of the facial expressions really well, like, funny, adorable scene with Sinvax uh, and the girl, who's played by Laura Bailey, and Marisha's character, and they're envisioning riding off into the sunset with rainbows in the background as they're riding on the giant bear, Tinkle. And you're just like... <laughs> this is... And it just gives... A really good personality behind what is probably actually going on during what they're talking about but at the same mm-hmm. time if you take out the fact that this is technically a D&D campaign that someone has done this just seems like it's just an incredible uh, high fantasy story and it's so cool weird wacky characters just trying to uncover a plot to poison this uh, little swampy village and sometimes there will be when characters are like potentially in combat there's like a little combat map so there will be like some squares laid out with uh, characters uh, initials to kind of show and it's their way of kind of hinting like haha this is Dungeons and Dragons that sounds awesome was, I knew the comic was coming out I saw it was Critical Role I'm like oh okay this is D&D mm-hmm. stuff like I know next to nothing about D&D I'm slowly trying to get into D&D because it's been very popularized and I want to say it's probably thanks to Critical Role. Yep. <laughs> Critical Role. So like this is something I'm like okay I was never into it I'll give it a shot 
And then I saw the comic was coming out by them, and that kind of set in my mind of, like, these guys are a lot bigger than I thought mm-hmm. they were. They're huge. I had no idea this was based on our first campaign, so I didn't pick up mm-hmm. the comic. I was like, oh, maybe I need to know, like, this, this, and this in order for me to understand it. Because I haven't even listened to them, but I've been meaning to. So I'm definitely going to pick this comic up now because I'm very curious to see Mm -hmm. this. It's definitely a good entryway for people that are potentially interested in Critical Role stuff, interested in D&D. And if they're a comic book fan, it's perfect because it's just just a comic. Mm -hmm. So there won't be too much, like jargon that nope. like a layman wouldn't get nope they never mention like make a role or anything it's just the character dialogue so like whatever was going right. on between characters interacting with each other that's what they included so okay. yep that's why matthew mercer was one of the writers because he was helping to s- make sure that they kept certain things in the story mm-hmm. especially if they plan on continuing the comic book um down the line like they did with currently with volume two out right now being uh released in book form not in trade form and so i think they're going to continue to release these i'm pretty certain it would be really smart of them to make comics up until when they started streaming because that would just cover that gap of a Mm -hmm. couple years of just information that fans just have a hard time gleaning like you have to go into instagram posts Someone has, like, a entire Tumblr of just Instagram posts that help fill in what happened. And it's, yeah, it's a pain. Trying to get into campaign one like, is a pain. A well, campaign two, you just jump straight in. Just You just go online, okay. type in, like, pretty much critical role campaign two, and you find the Mighty Nine campaign and just watch it. And it's super easy. It is long, okay. but it's still good. Because how long were you saying the episodes were? They're, like they're four they're hours, four hours but, like, the first couple of minutes is them, like, throwing some sponsor stuff. Okay. And then that's when Matt recaps, and then they get into the game. And then they have a short break, because this is their stream. Um, and then during right. the break, there's, like, ads from other D&D-related stuff and fan mm-hmm. art. So I would say it's closer to, like, three and a half hours if you're cutting out all of the unnecessary stuff. Okay. Like non non like not campaign related wise. Stuff. Yep. Okay. Uh, yeah. That sounds awesome. Like I am ready to just pick this thing up. Maybe not today, <laughs> but definitely tomorrow or something. Because I'm definitely curious. Because I do like those fantasy type like stories. Like I was a fan of Skyrim. I I like the Lord of the Rings series. Like just mm-hmm. seeing those types of like fantasy worlds yeah. and stuff. And I know like you know it's definitely better visually oh, yeah. especially when it comes to like D stuff because i really do not want to sit there with another version of the empire handbook from marvel no. <laughs> to read like this whole no, description narration of like who these people are where it's taking place what they're going to do there are versions <laughs> of that if people just want to skip ahead you can just read but um it's more entertaining to watch them do it and mm-hmm. oh about the comic you definitely can see where the characters were, like, being a bunch of goofballs and just where they failed. Like, oh, uh, the barbarian literally falls off the boat, like, early on. Like, he's just they're like, oh, well, there goes our muscle. Let's just keep going into the boat. And then later on, they encounter the, like, the boss lady, and they're all, like, down. All of a sudden, the barbarian rushes in, and he's just raging and just smashes the thing. And it's just <laughs> hilarious. And you're just like... I can see mm. how they did all of this. At one point, the bard, he probably used Thunderclap, which is an easy first level spell because they're first level characters, and he goes, and you've been thunderstruck! And he like makes references all the time. He's breaking the fourth wall. So you're like, I love how Matt kept those in. Like, no, we're keeping the fourth wall breaks with the bard. It makes sense. Right. So I really do like that he has a say in like th- this comic it's... itself, and especially because like he was yeah. there, he was there when it was all going and on, and world. I feel like it's also one of those stories where, you know, if you listened to their original campaign, like I feel like there's always like a little bit more enjoyment as you're watching what you what mm-hmm. you previously had experience with. Yeah, before. and now they they have a they started a Kickstarter, I think like. Uh, last year, beginning of this year or so, and they are now making a animated 
series based off the first campaign <laughs> through, through crowd, not slowing down through crowdfunding no it's huge there's um there's like plushies of uh caleb's cat frumpkin i know the artist who made it too so which is really cute there's like so much fan merch um there's a ton of official merch there's of course the comics it's crazy the Funko Pop mm-hmm. line is what immediately brought yep. my attention to them. I was like, who are these people? Like, are they seriously this big that they get a Funko mm-hmm. line? And then this Dark Horse comics come out, and now you are telling me that they are getting an animated yep. series. <laughs> oh my god. They gosh. crowdfunded enough to get an animated series. I think they're working with they're working with like a small animation company. They're not working with like DreamWorks or anyone. But it's gonna be on uh, <laughs> it's gonna be on Amazon Prime. Which is kind of like, oh my gosh, they actually got an Amazon Prime. They're not like just posting it on YouTube, but then it's like, oh, it's on Amazon Prime. But you know what? I feel like Amazon Prime is actually getting onto yeah. something there because I believe Amazon is also the one that picked up the the Image comic Invincible and is turning it into an animated okay, series. Okay, yeah. Right. I can't remember if it's Amazon or Hulu. But, yeah, Amazon's been picking up some pretty cool things. So, But mm-hmm. other than that, those were my top three. Those are awesome. Well, I'm already reading one of them. I've been reading Wind. I am definitely going to pick up this Critical Role one now, the Vox Machina. So thank you for that. I am actually a lot more excited to pick that up, and hopefully it will get me a little bit more into eventually getting into D&D mm-hmm. one day. We'll see. <laughs> that Hulkling one, though, my opinions are still the same. <laughs> I do not have the same emotional connection to this character as you do, but I am glad that you enjoyed it. <laughs> Kudos for you, as Dean Cain would say. Oh, gosh. So now... Oh, God. It is my turn. (laughs) V has read 69. Muse has read 78. I have read 99 more than V. I have read... Why would you say it like that? ...168 comics from the first week of June to the last week of August. Gosh! (laughs) And... Surprisingly enough, Muse already rattled off two of my top three. Oh. <laughs> so I'm going to start with my uh, second choice, which is James Tinian and Jorge Jimenez's Batman. But I'm not going to say the whole run. I was really tied between issues 91 and 95. Mm-hmm. 91 because all three of us got so excited and it got us so ramped up for James Tinian's run. Because for those of you guys who need a recap, in Batman 91 was what I call the flashback issue. It's when you got to see all the rogues in their 90s costumes. You see Selina running on the rooftop, mm-hmm. being chased by Batman and Tim Drake as Robin. And they're all meeting with the designer for the first time. And they're on that weird Tartarus looking boat to that island in the middle of Gotham Harbor for some reason to meet with the designer. but. That one got us, like, so hooked to, like, yes, this is an amazing story of Tinian's. I'm so excited to, like, see what else he's going to have. And then you have issue 95, the part one of the Joker War, which, like V said, and as we said in a previous episode, it felt very cinematic. It got us really excited for this Joker War event. I'm still really surprised that not a lot of people share that opinion from what we've seen of the reviews of Joker War. What? I still call that as, like, my my favorite so far of Timmy's. I feel like he did a fantastic job with this. I feel like he may have given some notes to, like, maybe some of the other Batman writers to be like, hey, this is kind of the direction I'm heading. If you want to include this in your tie-in issues, like, that would be great. And I have been really, really excited to see what else Timmy has been trying to go for with this especially after the latest issue this week oh I... my gosh i know i would have included it on my we can just list. add it as like an honorary mention of technically yes <laughs> we're gonna include it because it was so good because as you said like it was tinian's way of like saying this is the direction going with batman and you fully got it mm-hmm. with his hallucinogenic talk to Alfred, <laughs> which sounds ridiculous and crazy because he's literally high on Ivy something. And his conversation with Alfred just hit oh so gosh. hard to home because it was finally Batman coming to terms with the fact that 
he can't save everyone and that Joker's just going to keep playing to that and he can't keep blaming himself for those that he failed to save and focus on those that he managed to save. Like, you have to focus on those that you save. You continue to save Gotham. That's what you need to focus on. You could tell that the way Alfred was talking to Bruce, I felt like you could take Alfred out and stick James Tinian in. And literally, that's just him <laughs> talking to Batman. With the, with the shining light <laughs> behind him. But no, like, it's just kind of Tinian's way of, like, as a fan, you can feel the emotion mm-hmm. of being like, if I was in this situation, this is how I would talk to Batman because I respect him so much. And I, under like, as a fan of Batman, this is how I would want him to understand as someone who's an outsider, someone who, like, looks up to him in some regard just you see that passion even the slap (laughs) (laughs) for those of you that uh didn't catch it we are talking about the latest issue of batman 98 that just came out this week i think that's part three of joker war i don't remember yeah it's definitely part three because we have two we have only two more issues so i'm guessing it's part three at this point yeah but that i swear it was so heart-wrenching for me to see that alfred moment with bruce I literally have like a rock in my chest after reading that. I felt like it was just so beautifully done. Like you said, he's like, there's so much emotion behind it. And it not only like gives a resolution for the previous run, but it helps to set up his Batman for mm-hmm. the future of Batman's run. I feel like it was such a great moment. And like, yes, there's still some comedic effects in this, especially Harley and Punchline. The only thing I had with this issue was Batman jumping into the air and his cape goes up and inside his cape it says Batman. (laughs) You don't like that? It looked like like classic Batman. I felt like it was a little much. (laughs) You can... I felt like that would be good on the cover, not so much the interior. Uh... (laughs) I even appreciated the little... The bat pun with the, the battery. battery. And Carly looks at him like, No, you, no, fuck you didn't. didn't. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> also, little side note, hooray to Harley. Yes, yes. The little combo I... between her and Punchline. I was just like, yes, this is what yes, we've all been we, saying. We've said it time and time again. Like, Tinian has been doing a great job with Harley. And thank you so much for just kicking Punchline's uh, ass. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Heck, yes. Uh, I think he pretty much just created punchline to make Harley better. I still think even as a foil, even as a red herring, she's super detracted from the actual uh, Mm -hmm. story. True. I feel like she didn't add anything of value. She kind of just annoyed you into, like, pulling you out of the narrative. So he Mm -hmm. can definitely go, ha-ha, I meant to do it all along, but with, like, the incessant pulls to see if she was accepted by the fans, I feel like they may have made a change early on because she's still getting the one shot isn't she in like november Mm -hmm. or something like Mm -hmm. that i don't know how big they're expecting her to be because i have been seeing a lot of very mixed reviews of punchline on both twitter and instagram a lot of people are still team harley no matter how many times jimenez asked a question you're not gonna get a different result buddy (laughs) (laughs) like i still see a lot of team harley but now i have been seeing a little bit more of team punchline but some of them are for ridiculous reasons like i've seen at least five comments saying i'm team punchline only because i can cosplay her i did see some i don't think that counts as a vote (laughs) (laughs) you can't take away people's votes (laughs) <laughs> so American of you. But yes, Batman 98 aside, it is a definite honorable mention because it did come out this week. But Batman 95, very, very good. So the other one I had, which Muse also mentioned, was the Green Lantern 80th anniversary. 100-page super spectacular that we all covered with our special guest, Aiden, which I do hope returns to the show because that was such a barrel of laughs. Or a fridge of laughs, some might say. Oh, <laughs> I'm telling Aiden on you. She already knows. You gotta stop making fridge jokes. It's not cool. It's not cool. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) 
But yes, the Green Lantern 80th, like I said in a review, I put this right up there to number one spot, tied with Action Comics, if not number two. Because even though I was never really the biggest fan of Green Lanterns, I never really read a lot of them. I read more of Hal, I've watched more of John, and I have been reading currently Jess in Justice League Odyssey. I felt like all the stories in this, for the most part, were really good. Aside from the Simon Baz one, which I know we all shared a <laughs> <laughs> dislike towards. It was a little heavy-handed. This is what I, when I, like a prime example of how not to introduce a religion into a comic <laughs> while you're th- trying to like threaten a person with death. You're not As helping. You're hanging them upside down, who knows how many thousands feet up in the air, <laughs> and saying that you know. I know how God sees us. <laughs> Hit him a pretty tight. <laughs> oh gosh, that was that was Cena Grace. Is all I'm gonna say. That's a Cena Grace moment. <laughs> Aside from that one and the Sinestro one, I thoroughly enjoyed a lot of these other stories. The one from Tinian, the one from Jeff Johns. Yeah, I, I mean, like it's it's nice for kids who are finally able to go back to the library to get books. This is a good mm-hmm. list of things that you can read. Uh, it's too bad we we're introducing them at the end of the summer, but you know what? These are nice little prizes if you get your homework done to curl up and in the, the fall. the library is always there. Yeah. And for my number one, because it would be just as shocking if Muse didn't bring up a James Tinian issue, I had my favorite run of Superman. This one is actually originally in the Superman Giants that were coming out from Walmart and then continued as Digital First Issues, which is the Superman Man of Tomorrow run by Robert Venditti, who, as I've mentioned a bunch of times too, Robert Venditti is one of my top writers. He has been writing Hawkman. He is currently on the Justice League run, which I've kind of been back and forth about my opinions on. But this Superman Man of Tomorrow run is so freaking good if you're like me and has been hating the bendis runs and what he's been doing to superman please pick up this issues whether it's in the superman giants or you're able to read them digitally because this is exactly what you have been missing they're all one shots because they're supposed to be like in the giant thing it's just like a little mini story the I want to say like maybe two or three kind of connect into each other or they start to reference each other loosely but you can still read them as individual stories and it feels very much like the Superman comics from like the 90s or the 2000s it is focusing on Superman being a hero and you're getting the beautiful relationship between Lois and Clark and their dynamic as not just uh, partners for the Daily Planet but as husband and wife and you're seeing like this little marriage humor like Clark has to go run off now Lois has to go cover for him when Perry and Jimmy ask where Clark is to get this story and then Clark has to sadly return to the Daily Planet and tell Lois that he had to go home and change to a new suit because he had to give his other suit that he left in the alley to the homeless person and then also gave him $20 And then Lois has to constantly remind him about their budget and their finances and that they can't be constantly buying new suits for him to wear to work. I spoke about almost each issue at length with V as I was reading them because I needed to get it out of my system. (laughs) Bottom line, it is really good. I highly recommend it. That's why it is the number one choice for my summer reading. If you have been keeping up with my Instagram and my Twitter, you know I just got a recent collection of Superman comics. It has that same exact atmosphere. And honestly, those titles would have taken up my number one spot. And those are my top three. So, V, I'm definitely reading your two indies. Muse, I'm definitely reading your Critical Role one. And I will continue to read mine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I'm on board with the critical role, and I will definitely eventually read Venditti's Superman. <laughs> but because I read the 168 this summer, I guess I will be crowned nerd of the summer, which is a title <laughs> I gave pretty much to myself going into it. And we all knew 
you were pretty much going to read as many comics, if not more, between me and V's comics combined. Like, I was like, whatever... I knew me and V were going to be close. Like, we were going to be within, like, ten comics of each other, give or take. I would have been way lower if I didn't read everything from Empire. Because if I just read straight Empire, I would have been weenie. Uh, But Marvel didn't give much until recently. Like, Marvel's finally being like, here's our normal amount. Yeah, meanwhile, DC has kind of been at, like, their normal amount, I want to say, since, like, mm-hmm. mid-July, possibly. But then also, you read a buttload of DC at this point. Almost. I, I did drop a couple titles. Like I said, like, I stopped reading anything mm-hmm. related or tied to Brian Michael Bendis because I'm trying to have positive vibes. But for the most part, like, a lot of my list is made up of the Man of Tomorrow. It's made up of the deceased oh, titles. Yeah. Dark Knight's Metal, actually, because I read that over the summer as well. So, actually, I... I think my number is like 175 or something like that. But I did start to get into Justice League Dark Mm -hmm. because I wanted to start getting into that series because I want to join you on those titles. And so I have like seven issues with that as well. Yeah, you read a lot of currently ongoing and a buttload of past stuff this summer to catch up. Yes. And I do have, like, a bunch of indie things kind of thrown in there, like Exo Manowar, Wind, uh, Transformer vs. Terminator, Power Rangers, and Ninja Turtle crossover, the Horizon Free Comic Book Day. I will say, though, like, if I have to give an indie, because you guys gave indies, I would say mine is from Image. It's called A Man Among Ye. It is a pirate comic. It only has two issues Ooh. so far. It is really, really good. So it seems to be focusing more on the female pirate of this crew which the rest of the crew don't like because it's set during pirate times and they feel like women are only good for like two things so she has no purpose of being on this ship as being treated as one of them it gives me a lot of assassin's creed black flag vibes and to tie it back to the comic verse the voice actor who plays the assassin in assassin's creed black flag is john constantine in the cw Hmm. So, yeah. so thank you guys for doing your summer reading so that we can actually have a full episode of this thank you for not belittling me on reading so many <laughs> we're belittling you in our hearts i would have read more or caught up on other comics but i read like five novels this summer so five novels <laughs> i read oh a lot gosh. i was like I- i'm done staring at computer screens I need dead tree in hand. <laughs> For real. <laughs> Which ones did you try? This, I know this is a comic podcast, but like, did you have any good novels? Um, I finally finished reading Six of Crows, which is in the Grishaverse. Um, I read the sequels book to it as well. Uh, I read uh, King of Scars, which is another book in the series, so three from Grisha. Bunch of short stories from the Captive Prince series. Oh, I was trying to remember. I was like, there was another really good book. Um, I actually, I picked up the first volume of The Witcher back when the Netflix series dropped, like, last Mm -hmm. November. And I didn't pick it up. I, like, threw it on my stack of books to read, and I finally read it. And, oh, my gosh, it is so good. Such a good book. Has it really been been that long since The Witcher came Mm -hmm. out on Netflix? It came out, like, right, like, yeah, last year. Oh, my gosh such a great book if i could put a book on my list it would have been witcher i do need to actually pick that up because i've been meaning to actually learn a little bit more about that i never played the games a friend of mine we've been listening to audiobooks at work so he got me into brian Mm. sanderson so i've listened to three books wow that is a really good one that's one that i want to add to my collection but first i need to get through my stack of seven books I have in front of me that I have not picked yeah, up in two that's, years. Yeah, that's what I was doing. I was like, you know what? I have this giant stack of books. I need to get through it. And that was the same thing with comics. So that was where Vox Machina mm-hmm. came in. I was like, I need to read through some of these. I was going to try and be like, can I out Joe? And I was like, no. <laughs> You're going for the gold? Because I have uh, Monstrous Volume 2 sitting there. I have a Robin compilation volume chilling. I have Death and Reign of the Supermen that I still need to read. And then I have, like, a free trade that I got from a comic book store. So those need to get read. I have 
volumes upon volumes. I'm reading Night Circus right now, so like I'm I'm in the I'm like I'm gonna read books. I feel like it's definitely good. Don't don't follow my example. Get a nice blend of both comic books and actual books. It is good to have actual literature. Really good recommendations. V, do you have any books you want to recommend before we close this out? I've been reading religious nonfiction, so no. <laughs> <laughs> I have no books to recommend you guys. I am sorry. You're busy. You're <laughs> I have been comics. <laughs> I've been downing comics like water. Thank you so much for joining me. And that is all we have. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And as always, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and YouTube at Court of Outlets. Let us know which comic you want us to cover next week. Make sure to stay up to date with our latest episodes by subscribing to the podcast on Anchor, Apple, Google, Spotify, and everywhere else you may listen to your podcast. We'll see you next week.